Merry Christmas! From Valley 104.9. Good evening, everyone, or good afternoon, I should say. Well, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Stuart Lisk. I've had the pleasure and honor to be the director of this wonderful cast and crew. Uh, today, we're going to be performing the radio show version of A Christmas Carol. So it's a little bit different than an actual traditional performance where you uh, have all the characters, they're talking to each other and such. They're really talking to the folks at home with a live audience. So feel free to laugh, clap, do whatever it is you want to do. That's all great. And some of the things that we'll be doing that you'll notice is that our characters you know, might change a hat here or there so our audience knows that they're changing characters. And the other thing we've done is you'll notice also that the person might be switching sides. So in one, one time they might be on stage left, another time stage right because they're different characters and just to help everyone to be able to uh, see that they are someone different. The other great thing is we have males playing female part, uh, voices and female, female parts as well as females playing male parts. This is radio. So one of the things I'd ask you to do or just think about doing anyhow is sometimes just sit back and close your eyes. Think about the time perhaps that either you've seen it on TV or you remember uh, grandparents or parents just sitting on the radio listening to a show. And for those of you that might remember the old Sunday mystery shows that they used to have on the radio station here locally, among others, uh, I used to love those. Just sit back and close your eyes because just think about their emotions based on their voices as it changes. That's really the key. That's what radio is all about. And that's why this show is so exciting for us to present to you today. So uh, before I go any further, and before they come on, I do want to thank a few uh, folks. We do have concessions that are available here at Intermission. Obviously, it needs to be consumed here in the room. Uh, when you do that, I want to thank the Snow Valley Senior Center in Carnation. I clearly want to thank the Senior Center here in Monroe for letting us use the facility. I also would like to thank Cascade Community Theater for allowing us to use some of their equipment, which is wonderful. Also, just so you know, this show will be rebroadcast, will actually be broadcast for the first time, uh, on uh, KEPY, so 104.9 FM. You can get that from here in Monroe. You can get that streamed uh, online at 104.9 on, uh, on the web. You're also, I also want to thank the Duval Foundation for the Arts, who has been a, a great sponsor for us. And uh, of course, you, none of this could be possible without our fearless leader, Alex Clark, who's been the producer and uh, actually has you know, obviously produced from Sky Performing Arts to make this possible. We also want to thank unquestionably Toad Congregational Church for allowing us to use their facility, their church, for all the rehearsals. Uh, and once again, I surely would like to thank Full, uh, Ford Culture for being a wonderful sponsor. So with that, I'd like for you to sit back and enjoy the radio show version of A Christmas Carol.
Hey, where is everybody? Still in their dressing room, I'd imagine. What's the dress? It's a radio show. We have 15 minutes, everyone. Please make sure that your scripts are organized. Thank you, 15. Thank you, 15. Okay. Oh, good. I'm afraid it's going to be the last one here. I had trouble getting a cab. Oh, that's Camille. That distinction always belongs to Camille. <laughs> Are you nervous, Tony? Oh, that's right. This is your first live broadcast, eh, rookie? Yes, and yes. You'll be fine. You're great in rehearsals. Ten minutes. Ten minutes to air, everyone. Thank you, Thank Tony. Hey, uh, <clears throat> do you think there's enough time to go uh, at you know. Yeah, if you gotta go, you better go now. Look, I'll, I gotta go too. Oh, <laughs> hey there, sweetheart. Oh, you're not still mad at me, are you? Mad? Now, what would I have to be mad about? That you abandoned me at the club last night or that I had to catch my own cab home at midnight? Now, why would I be mad about that? Oh boy. Good evening, everyone. Good How are we all doing tonight? Good evening, Mr. Armitage. I have to tell you, Mr. Armitage, it's an honor to be in this cast with you. Well, thank you. Now, what roles do you play in this one? Uh, Fred, Young, Scrooge, Peter, and Boy with Turkey. Excellent. I look forward to reading those scenes with you. Thank I'm you. sure you'll do very well. Thank you. Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to take a few moments of preparation before a performance. Of course. The old man seems pretty calm tonight. Oh, it's no wonder. He's been doing this role since I was in short pants. <laughs> Have you done this show before? Twice. I was the newbie last year, but uh, just remember to breathe and uh, don't trip over the cables on the way to the microphones. <laughs> Great. Oh, you'll be fine. This will be my fourth time, but it might be my last. I just got my marching orders. I'll be heading out next week. Oh, Dave, really? Yeah. Aren't you a little old? Yeah, but I'm still healthy, and everyone needs to pitch in right now, right? Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Mm. They'll be lucky to have you, Dave. Yeah. Five minutes, everyone. Start getting into places, please. Thank you, five. Thank you, five. Good evening, everyone. I hope I'm not late. Of course not. We still have five minutes. This is the earliest you've ever been. Oh, where can I put my coat? Oh, oh, is the seat taken? Uh, that's my script, but I'd be happy to move it. If, 
If, if, it, uh, if you prefer the chair, or any other chair uh, in here. No, I'll just sit in one of the empty ones. One minute to air, everyone. One minute. Thank you, Thank you, Thank you Mike. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen of our studio audience, and good evening to all our men and women overseas. Tonight, the Mutual Radio Network is proud to bring you our annual presentation of the classic Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. We now take you to the dark and sooty streets of Victorian London. Marley was dead, to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about that. The register of his burial had been signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner, Ebenezer Scrooge. So you will therefore permit me to repeat emphatically that old Marley was dead as a doornail. Scrooge knew he was dead. Of course he did. How could it be otherwise? Scrooge and he were partners for I don't know how many years. Scrooge was Marley's sole friend and his sole mourner. Even Scrooge was not so dreadfully cut up by the sad event. The very day of the funeral, he made an excellent business deal. Yet, even though Marley was dead, Scrooge never painted out old Marley's name and the sign above the warehouse door. Years afterwards, the sign still read, Scrooge and Marley. People even sometimes called Scrooge by his partner's name, but it didn't matter, he answered to both. It was all the same to him. By any name, Scrooge was a tight-fisted hind panda the grindstone type, a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Hard and sharp as a flint, from which no flint had ever struck a generous warm fire. The cold within him froze his old features, nipped his pointed nose, shriveled his cheek, stiffened his gait, made his eyes red, his thin lips blue, and his voice grating. He carried his own low temperature about him. Not even Christmas could thaw him. Nobody ever stopped him in the street to say, My dear Scrooge, how are you? No beggars implored him. Have mercy, sir, and a spot farthing to spare. Even blind men's dogs appeared to know him and would tug their owners into the doorways and cross streets to avoid the man. But what did Scrooge care? That was the way he liked it, to edge his way along the crowded paths of life, keeping all human sympathy at a distance. Humbug. So it was, and so, Scrooge assumed, his world would remain but for one very special Christmas Eve. It came upon the midnight clear that
singing here? Be gone with you, you pack of wailing mongrels. Beggars, all of them, wandering the streets and wailing. Cratchit, what are you doing to that candle? I'm just trying to warm my fingers a bit, Mr. Scrooge, sir. Uh, my hands are shaking a bit from the cold. Have a care not to get your fingers too close to the flame. You'll make the wax burn faster. And mind you write your figures clearly. I'll have no quivering numbers in my ledger. Oh, yes, sir. Oh, Merry Christmas, Uncle. God save you. Bah, humbug. Christmas a humbug, Uncle? You don't mean that, I'm sure. I do. Merry Christmas, indeed. What right have you to be merry? You're poor enough. Come, then. What right have you to be dismal? You're rich enough. <laughs> you have something to say, Cratchit? Uh, no, Mr. Scrooge. How are you, Bob? Mrs. Cratchit and all the little Cratchits? Are they looking forward to Christmas morning? Oh, indeed, Master Fred. They are bubbling about like a pot of porridge. Humber, there's another fellow. Fifteen shillings a week and a wife and a family talking of a merry Christmas. Bah, it's all humbug, I say. <laughs> Don't be cross, Uncle. What else can I be when I live in a world of such fools? Merry Christmas. Was Christmas to you all but a time for paying bills without money? A time for finding yourself a, a year older but not an hour richer? If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. Uncle! Nephew! Keep Christmas in your own way. Let me keep it in mine. Keep it? But you don't keep it. Let me leave it alone, then. Much good may it do you. Much good has it ever done you. There are many things from which I have derived good, by which I have not profited. Christmas among them. But I am sure I have always thought of Christmas time as a good time. A kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. The only time I know of in the long calendar of the year when men and women seem to be by one consent to open their hearts freely and to think of people below them as if they were fellow passengers to the grave and not another race of creatures bound on other journeys. Therefore, uncle, though it has never put a scrap of gold in my pocket, I believe that Christmas has done me good and will do me good. God bless it. Let me hear another outburst from you, Cratchit, and you'll keep Christmas by losing your situation. Sorry, sir. You're a powerful speaker, sir. I wonder you don't go into Parliament. Don't be angry, Uncle. Come, dine with us tomorrow. I'll be seeing you in hell first. Why are you being like this, Uncle? Why? Why did you get married? Because I fell in love. Because you fell in love. Bah! Good afternoon. Nay, Uncle. You never came to see me before I got married. Why give it to me as a reason for not coming now? Good afternoon. I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. Why can't we not be friends? Good afternoon. I'm sorry with all my heart to find you so resolute. We have never had any quarrel to which I've been a party. But that I decided to honor Christmas and I'll keep Christmas humor to the last. 
So a Merry Christmas, Uncle. Good afternoon. And a Happy New Year. Good afternoon. Bah, humbug. I will not say it again. Good afternoon. No need to say it again, sir. May I wish you a good afternoon as well. Have we the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Mr. Marley has been dead these seven years. He died seven years ago on this very night. Then may he rest in peace. But we have no doubt his generosity is well represented by his surviving partner. <laughs> <laughs> At this festive time of year, Mr. Scrooge, it's more than usually desirable that we should make some slight provision to the poor and destitute who suffer greatly in these times. Many thousands are in want of common necessities. Hundreds of thousands are in want of common comforts. Are there no prisons? Oh, plenty of prisons. And the workhouses, are they still in operation? They are still, although I wish I could say they were not. Oh, I was afraid from what you said at first that something had occurred to stop them in their useful course. I'm very glad to hear they are still operating in full vigor. Both very busy, sir. A few of us were endeavoring to raise a fund to buy the poor some mean drink and means of warmth. We choose this time because it is a time, above all others, when want is keenly felt and abundance rejoices. What shall I put you down for? Nothing. Oh, you wish to remain anonymous? I wish to be left alone. I don't make merry myself at Christmas, and I can't afford to make idle people work merry. My taxes support the establishments I mentioned previously. They cost enough. Those who are badly off must go there. Many can't go there, and many would rather die. If they would rather die, they had better do so and decrease the surplus population. Surely, sir! It's not my business. It's enough for a man to understand his own business and not interfere with other people's. Mine occupies me constantly. Now, good afternoon, gentlemen. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Quiet! Take your caterwauling elsewhere. You'll want all day tomorrow, I suppose, Cratchit. If quite convenient. It's not convenient. And it's not fair. If I was to stop half a crown for it, you'd think yourself ill-used, I'll be bound. And yet, you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work. It's only once a year, sir. A poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. <sighs> but I suppose you must have the whole day. Be here all the earlier the next morning. Oh, I will, Mr. Scrooge. Off with you. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. Scrooge. Merry... What? Uh, have a good evening, sir. Go. Scrooge took his banker's book with him to his usual melancholy tavern, where he ate his melancholy dinner, then walked home in the fog. He lived in chambers that previously belonged to his now deceased partner, Jacob Marley. 
Though once perhaps a lively neighbourhood, currently not another soul lived on the block of dingy buildings except Scrooge. All the other rooms were now let out as offices that, on Christmas Eve, were dark and deserted. Yet, through the fog, Scrooge thought he might have heard the rattle of chains behind him. The sound made Scrooge ill at ease. Perhaps it was the rapid beating of his heart and rush of blood to his brain. Perhaps it was the fog. But when the old miser slid his key into the lock, the familiar brass knocker in the center of the wooden door changed shape. It became not a knocker, but instead the image of Marley's face. Dear God! Jacob! Scrooge gasped and dropped his key. At the sound, Marley's face disappeared, and the knocker returned to its familiar shape. Handbag. Scrooge picked up his key, quickly inserted it into the lock, and opened the door. He shut the heavy wooden door behind him. Rattling around into darkness, he found a candle. He lit a match and touched it to the wick. A reassuring glow filled the room. Scrooge removed his coat and carried the candle upstairs to his bedroom. Some good porridge and a sit by the fire will clear my head. That's all I need. What is this? Who is responsible for this nonsense? Ebenezer Scrooge. Who is here? Who is it? Ebenezer Scrooge. Is that the wind? Here now, who's there? Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, I know that face. It's Jacob Molly. Uh, but Jacob Molly is dead. How now? What do you want with me? Much. Who are you? Ask me who I was. Who were you then? You're very demanding for a shadow. In life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. Jacob? Can you, can you sit down? I can. Then take a chair. You don't believe in me. I, I don't. Why? Why do you doubt your senses? Because so many little things affect them. Even a slight disorder of the stomach can create visions or hallucinations. You may be a bit of undigested beef, a, a blot of mustard, or a, a crumb of moldy cheese, a fragment of an underdone potato. There's more gravy than the grave about you, whatever you are. It's all humbug. Oh, oh, oh! Mercy, mercy, please! Dreadful apparition! Why do you trouble me? Man of the worldly mind, do you believe in me or not? Uh, I do. I must. But tell me, why do you walk the earth and why do you come to me? It is required of every man that his spirit should walk abroad among his fellow men. 
and they travel far and wide. And if that spirit goes not forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death. It is doomed to wander through the world. Oh, woe is me, and witness what it cannot share, what might have shared on earth and turned to happiness. Oh, oh, oh. You are fettered. Tell me why. I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard. I girded it of my own free will, and of my own free will I wore it. Is its pattern strange to you? To me, Jacob. You should know the weight and length of the strong coil you bear yourself. It was as full and long as this seven Christmas Eves ago. You have labored on it since. It is a ponderous chain you wear. Jacob, my friend, please tell me more. Speak comfort to me, Jacob. I have no comfort to give. It comes from other regions. Nor can I tell you what I would. A little more is all that is permitted to me. I cannot rest. I cannot stay. I cannot linger anywhere. My spirit never walked beyond our counting house. Mark me. In my life, spirit never roved beyond the narrow limits of our money-changing home. Weary journeys lie before me. Seven years dead and traveling the whole time. Yes, the whole time. To atone for the opportunities missed. Such was I. Such was I. But, but you were always a good man of business, Jacob. Business? Mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, and benevolence were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. At this time of the rolling year, I suffer most. Why did I walk through crowds of fellow beings with my eyes turned down? Hear me. My time is nearly gone. Uh, I will, Jacob. Uh, but don't be hard upon me, please. How I appear before you in a shape that you can see, I may not tell. Now that I have sat, no, that I have sat invisible beside you many and many a day. Uh, comforting thought, Jacob. I'm here to warn you. You have yet a chance and hope to escape my fate. A chance and hope of my procuring, Ebenezer. You were always a good friend to me, Jacob. You will be haunted by three spirits this night. Is that the chance and hope that you mentioned, Jacob? It is. Then I think I'd rather not. Oh, without their visits, you cannot hope to avoid the path I tread. Expect the first tomorrow when the clock tolls one.
Couldn't I take them all at once? Get it over with quickly? Expect a second when the clock strikes two, and then a third. Heed them, Ebenezer. Now farewell. From this night you will see me no more. For your own sake, remember what has passed between us. It's late, late indeed. Such a night. Spirits, hallucinations. Bah, humbug. It's time for bed. to lead me through the window. I am mortal. I shall fall. Hold my hand and you will not feel the cold, nor will you fall. <laughs> Good heavens! I feel light as a feather. Uh, where are we, spirit? This is not London anymore. Look below. Do you recognize this place? I do, spirit, I do. I was born and bred in this place. I was a boy here. Your lip is trembling, and what is that upon your cheek? It's nothing. Uh, likely just a snowflake melted there. Uh, a spirit! This is my school, and these boys are my schoolmates. Uh, but they look the same. These are but shadows of the things that have been. They have no consciousness of us. Come on, let's go! Hooray! Bye, happy Christmas! The school is not quite deserted. 
A solitary child, neglected by his friends, is left there still. Yes, one boy sits alone. I wish... What is the matter? Nothing, nothing. Just, there was a boy singing a Christmas carol at my office door yesterday. I should like to have given him something, that's all. Let us see another Christmas. than he used to be, and the house is like heaven. He spoke to me so gently some nights ago when I was going to bed, but I was not afraid to ask him once more if you might come home. And he said yes! He sent me in a coach to bring you, and you're to be a man, and you'll never have to come back here ever again. I, I can't believe it. It's true. But first, we're to be together all Christmas long and have the merriest time in the world. Bring down Master Scrooge's box, please, and take it to the carriage. Oh, Fan, you're so wonderful. <laughs> Your sister was always such a delicate creature, who a gust of wind might have withered. But she had a large heart. That she did. She died, a woman with children, I believe. One child, my, my nephew Fred. The night is passing, and another Christmas to see. Take my hand again. Lose your ledgers, gentlemen. Spirit, I know this place. I was apprenticed here. And there's old Fezziwig. Bless his heart, it's Fezziwig alive again. Yo-ho there, Ebenezer, Dick. And Dick Wilkins, to be sure. Uh, bless me, yes, it is him. Listen, my boys, no more work tonight. It's Christmas Eve. Ebenezer, let's have the shutters up. Hurry now, before I can say Jack Robinson. Yes, yes sir. sir. Push all the desks to the side, make room. Clear away, my lads, we must have plenty of room. You know how much Mrs. Fezziwig loves to dance. Hurry, our guests are arriving. I hope you've left a table for the punch, Mr. Fezziwig. Of course, my dear. How could I forget? Fezziwig's team will pay him tomorrow. Look at Dick! I hadn't realized what a good dancer he was. I wonder whatever happened to him. Do you not know? He was your friend. No, we lost touch soon after. I, I never bothered to... I don't know. Good night. Good night. Oh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Ah, Fezziwig, the prince among men. It was a grand party. Yet, such a small and simple affair. Small? Is it not? He has spent but a few pounds of your mortal money. Only three or four, perhaps. Is that so much that he deserves such praise? Money has nothing to do with it. It's his spirit. 
He has the power to render us happy or unhappy, to make our service light or burdensome, a pleasure or a toil. His power lies in his words and looks, so that it is impossible to add and count them up. The happiness he gives is as great as if it cost a fortune. I... What is the matter? Uh, nothing in particular. Something, I think. I was just thinking of my clerk just now. I should like to be able to say a word or two to him. That's all. My time grows very short, but there is still one more thing to see. This, this garden looks familiar, but... No! And take from me from here! I remember it now. I do not wish to see this. Ebenezer, I must speak with you. Bell? Let us leave, spirit. I wish to stay no longer. What do you wish to talk about? Our engagement. I've told you, we can make no plans until my position is more secure. My plans matter little. To you, very little. I perceive another idol has displaced me, and if it can cheer and comfort you in times to come, as I would have tried to do, I have no just cause to claim you. What idol has displaced you? A golden one. You speak severely. Poverty is hard, Belle. Yet you condemn my desire to stave off the harsh pain of it by the pursuing of wealth. You fear the world too much, Ebenezer. All your other hopes have merged into the desire for affluence. I have seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one until the master passion, gain, it engrosses you. What then? Even if I have grown so much wiser, what then? I am not changed towards you, am I? Our contract is an old one. It was made when we were both poor and content to be so until we could improve our fortune by patient industry. You are changed. When we were betrothed, you were a different man. I was a boy. Your own heart knows the truth, that you are not now the man that you were. That union which promised happiness when we were both one in heart is fraught with misery now that we are two. I have keenly thought on it, and I have decided to release you from your promise. Have I ever sought release? In words? No. In what then? In a changed nature, an altered spirit, in everything that made my love of any worth or value in your sight. If our past entanglement had never happened between us, tell me truthfully. Would you seek me out and try to win me now? Your silence is my answer. We both know that you, who weigh everything by gain, would never pursue a poor, dowerless girl to be your wife. If we continue this arrangement, your regret will forever hover over us like a dark cloud. So with a heart full of love for the man you once were, I release you from your promise. May you be happy in the life you have chosen. Enough, spirit. Why do you delight in torturing me so? I told you, these are but the shadows of things that have been. They are what they are. Do not blame me. Remove me! I cannot bear it! Take me back and hold me no longer! We'll be back 
with more of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, right after a few words from our sponsor. Valley 104.9. And now, we return to tonight's presentation of Charles Dickens' classic story, A Christmas Carol. Ding dong, merrily on high, in heaven the bells are ringing. Ding dong, merrily the sky is ridden with angels singing. to the door and check the lock. If that my knees would cease knocking together. Ebenezer Scrooge. That is my name, sir. <laughs> Come closer and know me better, man. I am the ghost of Christmas present. Open your eyes and look upon me. The torch you hold is very bright. <laughs> you have never seen the like of me before. Never. I would have remembered a giant as colourful and as usual as yourself. Have you never walked with any of my brothers either? I, I don't think so. Do you have many brothers? Oh, gosh, I have more than 1,800. A tremendous family to provide for. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, spirit, conduct me where you will. I went forth before on compulsion. I learnt a lesson which I believe is working now. If you also have something to teach me, show it me and let me profit by it. Touch my robe. <laughs> it's a very odd feeling, flying. I can't say whether I like it or not. Can you tell me where we are going? You'll see for yourself. We are nearly there. Look below us at the faded blue door. There, it is the home of your clerk, Bob Cratchit. See how his wife busies herself preparing their meagre portions for Christmas dinner. Whatever's got your precious father, then, and your brother, Tiny Tim, and Martha weren't as late last Christmas Day by half an hour. Don't worry, Mother, I'm here. Hooray! Martha's oh, here! Martha's here. here! Wait till you see, Martha, we have 
A goose. And such a goose. Why, bless your heart alive, my dear. How late you are. We had a great deal of work to finish up last night. We had to clear away this morning, mother. Well, never mind, so long as you're here now. Sit ye down before the fire, my dear, and warm yourself. No, no, father is coming. Let's play a trick on him. Hide, Martha. Oh, yes, hide, Martha. Well, my dears, Tim and I have had a lovely walk this day. Isn't that right, Tim? We did. Where's our Martha? Has she not arrived yet? She's not coming. Not coming? Not coming? Not coming upon Christmas Day? Surprise, Father! I'm here! <laughs> you were supposed to wait longer. I couldn't bear to see Father upset. It was a fun surprise nonetheless. Now, children, help your mother to set the table for dinner. Christmas oh, dinner! Christmas dinner! How did little Tim behave at church, Mr. Cratchit? As good as gold, my dear, and better. Somehow he gets thoughtful sitting by himself so much, and he thinks the strangest things you've ever heard. He told me, coming home, that he hoped the people saw him in the church because he was a cripple. He thought it might be pleasant to them to remember upon Christmas Day the one who made blood Blame beggars walk and blind men see. Bless him. Peter, be careful with that pot. It's hot. B, help Tim with those dishes. Look at this father, Goose. Have you ever seen such a glorious goose? I can honestly say I have not. Such a goose. Mrs. Cratchit, you have outdone yourself. I fear I cannot bring myself to cut it up. Perhaps... We should not eat it. No! no. Oh, what a wonderful Christmas this is, my dears. Such a feast. Merry Christmas to us all, and God bless us. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> Spirit, tell me if Tiny Tim will live. I see a vacant seat in the poor chimney corner and a crutch without an owner carefully preserved. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child will die. No, that cannot be. Oh, no, kind spirit, say he will be spared. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, none of my race will find him here. But can, can you not? What then? If he be like to die, he had better do it and decrease the surplus population. No. Who will decide where the surplus is? Will you decide what men shall live and what men shall die? It may be that in the sight of heaven you are the more worthless and less fit to live than millions, like this poor man's child. A toast. I give you Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. The founder of the feast, indeed. I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon. I hope he'd have a good appetite for it. Now, my dear, remember the children. It's Christmas Day. Very well. I'll drink to his health for your sake and the day's, but not for his. <clears throat> a long life to him. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. 
He'll be very merry and very happy, I have no doubt. To Mr. Scrooge! To, to Mr. Scrooge! To Mr. Scrooge! Come along, Scrooge. There is another place we must see. And he believed it, too. It's a more shame for him, Fred. Why have you brought me to my nephew's house, Spirit? What lesson can he teach me? Quiet and listen. Scrooge is a comical old fellow. Darling, that's the truth. And not so pleasant as he might be. However, his offenses carry their own punishment, and I have nothing to say against him. I'm sure he's very rich. At least, you always tell me so. What of that, my dear? His wealth is of no use to him. He doesn't do any good with it. He doesn't make himself comfortable with it. I have no patience with him. I have. I'm sorry for him. I couldn't be angry with him if I tried. Who suffers by his ill whims? Himself, always. He has taken it in his head to dislike us, and he won't come and dine with us. What's the consequence? He loses a wonderful dinner. And amiable company. Hear, hear! I was only going to say that the consequences of taking a dislike to us and not making merry with us loses him some pleasant moments. I will visit him every year and will give him the chance every time, whether he likes it or not, to join us. For I pity him. He may rail at Christmas till he dies, but he can't help thinking better of it if I go there in a good temper and say, Uncle Scrooge, how are you? It may only put him in the vein to give his poor clerk 50 pounds, but that's something. You're a good man, Fred. That's why I love you, my darling. Now, let's play a game. I'll second that. Blind man's bluff. Let's play blind man's bluff. I love that game. You first, Topper. Not too tightly, please. Are you sure you cannot see anything? On my honor, I'm blind as a bat. Over here. No, over here. You're cold, Topper, very cold. Over here, over here. They cannot hear you. This man is terrible at the game. He's nowhere near anyone. You're getting warmer. Topper, mind the furniture. Aha! Oh. I found someone. Oh, you peeked, I saw you. <laughs> and aren't you glad I did? I found you. I burned a kiss. Later, under the mistletoe. Come, Scrooge. It's getting late. Let's have another game. Uh, please, Spirit, just a bit more. They're going to play another game. You choose, Topper. What shall we play? How about yes and no? I, I love, love that, that game. game. All right, I have something. Is it an animal? Yes. Is it furry? Parts of it. You're only allowed to say yes and no, darling. Can I pet it? No. Then is it a disagreeable animal? Yes. Does it growl? Yes, loudly. Does it live in London? A very good question. Yes. Does it live in the zoo? No. Does it talk too, in addition to growling? Yes. Is it a parrot? No. I know it is. I found it out, Fred. What is it then? It's your Uncle Scrooge. Yes! <laughs> a foolish game indeed. He has given us plenty of merriment, I'm sure. And it would be ungrateful not to drink to his health. 
Here's a glass of bold wine ready in my hand. So I say to Uncle Scrooge. Uncle Scrooge. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to the old man wherever he is. He wouldn't take it from me, but may he have it nevertheless. To Uncle Scrooge. I am ready to leave now, spirit. Take me from this place. Spirit, your, your torch is growing dim. In this light, your hair looks gray. It is gray. I'm growing older. Are spirits' lives so short? My life upon this globe is very brief. It ends tonight. Tonight? Tonight my time ends at the stroke of midnight. Hark, that moment is growing near. Forgive me for asking, but there seems to be something sticking out from beneath your robe. Is it a foot or a claw, perhaps? It might be a claw, for the scant flesh that remains upon it. Look and see. It is a young boy and a girl. How gaunt and pale they are. Are they yours? No. They are the children of man. The boy is ignorance. This girl is want. Beware them both and all of their degree, but most of all, beware the boy. Look on his forehead. There, doom is written. Unless this boy is addressed, that word cannot be erased. Have they no refuge or resource? Are there no workhouses? Are there no prisons? Spirit? Kind spirit, uh, don't leave me alone here. I, I don't want to be alone. Oh, hello. I didn't see you there in the darkness. Am I now in the presence of the ghost of Christmas yet to come? Where are you pointing? You are about to show me the shadows of the things that have not yet happened, but will happen in the time before us. Is that so, spirit? Ghost of the future, I fear you more than any specter I have seen. But as I know your, your purpose is to do me good, and as I hope to live to be another man from what I was, I'm prepared to bear your company with a thankful heart. Will you not speak to me? Yet you are silent. It is not important. Lead on, spirit, lead on. The night is waning fast and it's precious time to me now. I will touch the fabric of your sleeve as I have done with the others. Lead me where you will. We
This is a horrible, dark place you have brought me, spirit. What could this place have to do with me? I know, I know. Be silent and watch. Here come some people. Why, oh, you couldn't have met in a better place. Come into me parlor. You two have met before, of course. Quiet, till I shut the door of the shop. <laughs> now, me lovelies, we can do business. Show us what you got. I know that woman. That is my laundress, Mrs. Dilber. Here, look your fill. What odds then, hey, what odds? A person has a right to take care of themselves. He always did, didn't he? <laughs> That's true indeed. No man more so. Let <laughs> me see what you have here. A few items that won't be missed. Who's the worst for the loss of a few things like these? Not a dead man, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> if the wicked old screwhead wanted to keep him after he was dead, what well, wasn't he more natural in his lifetime? If he had been, he'd have somebody to look after him when he was struck with death. Instead, he's lying there, gasping out his last there, alone by himself. Those are the truest words ever spoke. It's a judgment on him. I wish the bundle were a bit heavier. It might have been if I could have laid me hands on anything else. Open that bundle, old Joe, and let me know the value of it. Speak out plain. I'm not afraid to be first. We all knew we'd be helping ourselves before we met, and it's no sin to take what's laid out before a person. Well, let me see. A pencil case, three silver teaspoons, some towels, two shirts, and spectacles. Here's your sum. Right, I always give too much to the ladies. It's a weakness of mine. That's the way I'll ruin myself. If you ask me for another penny, I'll repent of being so liberal and knock off half a crown. Ooh, now and do my bundle, Joe. What are these? Bed curtains? Yes, bed curtains. You don't mean to say you took them down, rings and all, with him lying there? Yes, I do. Why not? I certainly shan't hold back my hand when I can get anything in it by reaching out. The sake of a man such as he was. He isn't likely to take cold without him, is he? <laughs> you were born to make your fortune and you will certainly do it. I have no doubt. I hope he didn't die of anything catching. Eh? Don't you be afraid of that. I weren't so fond of his company that I'd loiter about for such things if he had. Look at the shirt, too. You won't find an hole in it, nor a threadbare place. It's the best he had. They'd only have wasted it if I hadn't taken it. What do you mean, wasted? They'd have only put it on him to be buried in. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody were fool enough to do it, but I took it off again. He had plenty of calico for such a purpose, which is good enough. Besides, he couldn't look any uglier than he did in this one. <laughs> <laughs> such horrid people. 
I understand, spirit. I see. The case of this unhappy man might be my own. And my life tends that way now. Spirit, where have you taken me now? This room is much like mine, although in the darkness it's hard to tell. The fire is cold and the candles are out. What is the shrouded shape lying there upon the bed? Insist, insist all you like, I will go no closer. This is a fearful place. In leaving it, I shall not leave its lesson. I, I understand you, and I would do it if I had the power, but I have it not. I can go no closer. Please, spirit, if there is any person in London who feels emotion caused by this wretched man's death, show that person to me. Take me to them now, spirit, I, I beseech you. And he took a child and set him in the midst of him. Are you all right, Mother? You're crying. Oh, it's, it's only that my eyes grow weary when reading by candlelight. I should stop reading. Your father will be home soon, and I cannot worry him over such humdrum problem. It must be near his time. Past it, rather. But I think he has walked a little slower than he used to these last few evenings. I have known him walk easily with Tiny Tim on his shoulder. And so have I. Very fast indeed. And so have I, but Tiny Tim was very light to carry, and his father loved him so. He was light as a feather upon your father's shoulders, and he was no trouble at all. No trouble. But here's your father at the door. Father! Ah, oh, my darling young Cratchits. A king could not have a finer greeting than this, I do believe. I'll make you some tea, Father. Thank you, B. Is it what you hoped? Indeed. Yes, my dear. I wish you could have gone. It would have done you good to see how green a place it is. 
But you'll see it often, I know. I promised him that I would walk there on a Sunday. My little, little child, my brave little boy. Come now, my love. Tim would not have us weeping. No, you're right. He, he would not. By the by, guess who I saw on the street today? Old Scrooge's nephew, Fred. Such a kind fellow he is. He inquired about our situation, so I told him. I am heartily sorry for his passing, he said, and heartily sorry for your good wife. Hmm. How he ever knew that, I don't know. Knew what, my dear? That you were a good wife. Everybody knows that, Father. <laughs> Very well observed, my boy. I believe they do. Heartily sorry. He gave me his card, and he said, that's where I live. If I can be of any service to you in any way, please come to me. It really felt like he had known our tiny Tim and felt true sorrow with us. I'm sure he's a good soul. You would be sure if you saw and spoke with him today. I wouldn't be at all surprised, mark what I say, if he got Peter a better situation. Oh, hear that, Peter. And Peter will be keeping company with someone and setting up house for himself soon. Get along with you. <laughs> it's just as likely as not. Uh, one of these days, though there's plenty of time for that, my dear. But however and whenever we part from one another, I am sure we shall, none of us, forget poor tiny Tim, shall we? Or this first parting that there was among us. No, never, never, father. never father. And I know, my dears, that when we recollect how patient and how mild he was, even though he was a little, little child, we shall not quarrel easily among ourselves and forget tiny Tim in doing it. No, Father, never. never. Father. I am happy, my dear children. I am happy. Spectre, something informs me that our parting moment is at hand. I know it, but I don't know how. Tell me what man it was we saw lying dead on the bed earlier. Wait, spirit, you have passed my house. Why have you taken me to this churchyard? I don't remember passing this in my walks to and from my office, yet I know it is nearby. Indeed, this cemetery appears to be invisible to anyone. The markers stand neglected and the grounds untended. Why are you pointing there? Before, before I draw nearer to that cold gray stone to which you point, answer me one question. Are these the shadows of things that will be, or of things that might be only? Men's courses will foreshadow certain ends to which, unchanged, they are assured. But if the courses be departed from, the ends will change. Say it is thus with what you show me. Still silent. I will look where you direct me. Uh, uh, Ebony! Ebony, sir! 
attended and alone upon the bed? No, 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 spirit! No, hear me! I am not the man I was! I, I will be a better man for this intercourse. Tell me there is still a chance. Why show me this if I am past all hope? The good spirit, your nature intercedes for me and, and pities me. Uh, assure me that I may yet change these shadows you have shown me by way of an altered life. Uh, I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I, I will not shut out the lessons they have taught me. Tell me I may wipe away the writing on the stone. Please, spirit, please, don't abandon me here. Please, don't leave me alone. <coughs> Spirit's robes? <laughs> These are my bed curtains. <laughs> They're not torn down, rings and all. Ha! 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 I am here. <laughs> I don't know what to do first. <laughs> I'm as light as a feather. I'm as giddy as a drunken man. <sighs> there is my porridge pot. There. There is the door. Old Marley's ghost walked through. It's all true. It all happened. Oh, what day is it? What month? What is the hour? I, I don't know how long I've been wandering with the spirits. I don't, I don't know anything. <laughs> I'm quite a baby again. But never mind, I don't care. <laughs> oh, gracious, it's cold. Uh, hello there, boy. Are you talking to me, sir? Yes, yes. Um, what is today? Today, sir? Why, it's Christmas Day. It's Christmas Day! Woohoo! I haven't missed it. The spirits have done their work all in one night. But of course, they can do anything they want, can't they? Sir? Of course they can! Uh, do you know the poulterer in the next street? The, the one at the corner? I should hope I do, sir. Such an intelligent boy. A remarkable boy. Uh, do you know whether they've sold the prize turkey that was hanging up in the window? Uh, not the little prize turkey, mind you, but the big one. You mean the one as big as me, sir? <laughs> what a delightful boy. Yes, young man, that is the one. Is it? It's still there. Yes, it's hanging in the window now. Is it? Then go and buy it. Go on, pull the other one. No, no, I'm <laughs> earnest. Go and buy it. And tell them to bring it here that I may give them the direction to where they will take it. Come back with the man from the shop and I'll give you a shilling. Uh, come back with him in less than five minutes and I'll give you half a crown. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'll send it to Bob Cratchit. <laughs> he won't know who sent it to them. It's twice the size of Tiny Tim. <laughs> what a Christmas this will be! Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her peace. Let earth receive her peace. 
like the three wise men. Do you think we could share some of it when we're done? I think that's an excellent idea, my lad. Goodness knows, even the Cratchits cannot reduce a bird of this size to its bones. Everyone sit. Father, say grace if you please. Oh, who could that be at this hour? Perhaps it's a poulterer. Did they want their turkey back? <laughs> I would hope not, Peter. Mr. Scrooge? <laughs> Cratchit, you are late. <laughs> Very late. So I've come to have a word with you. But Mr. Scrooge, sir, you said I could have the entire day. It's Christmas Day. <laughs> it's not just that. Uh, I've noticed a grave error in the accounts. Something must be done. Well, sir, I... Here has to be addressed. So I'll... Be doubling your salary beginning tomorrow. You're doubling my salary? Yes. And your first task tomorrow will be to order more coal for the heaters. That office is an icebox, man. Did you not notice? Oh, yes, but... Bless my soul. It's a Christmas miracle. Merry Christmas, Bob. Merry Christmas to you all. I've brought some sweets for the children as well. And an orange for young Master Tim there. They were always my favorite when I was a boy. Thank you, Mr. Scrooge. Will you not stay for dinner, Mr. Scrooge? I'm afraid I have a previous invitation to attend dinner at my nephew Fred's. It is an invitation I've neglected to accept for far too long. I must leave right away so I'm not late to play their party games before dinner. I do love to play games. Mr. Scrooge, I don't know what to say. God bless you, Mr. Scrooge. And God bless us, everyone. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good times. That concludes our special holiday broadcast of Charles Dickens' classic, A Christmas Carol. From all of us here in the Broadcast Center in the Snoqualmie Valley to all of you, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good night. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good tidings we bring to you and your kin. Good tidings for Christmas and a Happy New Year.